Welcome to Hi Bob, the officially unofficial for all mankind podcast on Apple TV Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking the season finale for season three. It's episode 10, Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, Aaron, how did this season finale stack up against the other two season finales we've seen? I thought it was really good. I, you know, I'm, I was the first one to bring up the potential shark jump of last week. And if this is what shark jumping looks like, I guess I'm into j- jumping sharks. Call me a shark lord. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I thought that the, the cold open of this uh, Korean astronauts battle to make it down to the surface, bury his partner, survive for... I don't know, five to six months. Um, I thought it was a gripping. Uh, I there's a lot of like comedy that kind of like lightened a, a little bit of the load. And also like I'm starting to see this show work the way like I've talked about Star Trek, the next generation working or like the expanse works where they've got the dynamics between people so good that when a scene starts with like any two particular people, especially like when when Molly's sending a, a, a recording to Ed you just get a smile on your face because you know, it's going to be an awesome scene because of what they bring to the table. Just like anytime you saw, you know, Riker and data start to have a wry conversation about data's sex life or whatever. It's just like you get, you know, or Amos and Bobby start squaring up. It's like, you just get like, Oh fuck. Yeah. And there is tons of those scenes in this episode. So like I, I, I noticed um, like on the Reddit and even our feedback, people are talking about the soap soapiness of this show. The tawdry romances, the the baby mm-hmm. births, all that kind of stuff. Welcome to Ron Moore's fiction. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is soapy. But like, I feel like this show, I don't know whether I'm giving a pass because I'm just uh, uh, deep down. I was born in the height of the space race and I was surrounded by rockets growing up. And I think it's cool. And I think NASA's cool. And I think, this, you know, getting out in space is cool. And I'm just making excuses for this show. Or because, or, or what, but like, I think some of these more soapy aspects are ways to rapidly get you to care and have opinions on things because this show just moves so quick. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're talking 30 years of these people's lives and we get six month snippets every decade or so, and they have to go big. They have to play for the cheap seats because there's yeah. not time to do the, you know, like Breaking Bad had six years to consider what, six months? Of, of like or seven months of his family's life uh in 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 the 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 most of the series they don't have that so i i feel like they're they're doing this to like rocket fuel emotional rocket fuel and it fucking works mm-hmm. uh this russo guy that there's doing their soundtrack um I think he's approaching Max Richter levels of pianomanship where hmm, that yeah. shit starts and then they throw a soaring violin into it. And I'm just a shambles. I wept <laughs> so much on the last 30 minutes of this show. Wow, so, yeah, okay. I yeah, I all that stuff. I fa- the father daughter stuff, the, uh, you, you know, the, sure. the inverse of uh, the Kelly Ed dynamic. uh uh, and all of it, all of it, I thought was 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 just was just great, and I was extremely satisfied by almost everything that happened. Um, and I'm I'm back, I'm back, I'm back, ready. Can't wait to go forward another eight years in the future for next season. Jim, what'd you think? Uh, yeah, I was also a big fan of this finale, and yeah, I see the soap opera elements, whatever. Um, I, I've I've settled into Ron Moore storytelling. And I enjoy it. Uh, some of my favorite moments in this episode are some of the more understated ones, I'd say. Some of the, some of the ones that are like, 
almost secondary to what's actually going on in this episode. Uh, Margot's stuff really got me. I like her speech at the end there and Alita's reaction to it and just like knowing the finality of it and, just, and, and understanding like who she is as a character because she she genuinely cares and loves this stuff, right? She's not cynical. She's not anything. She just got caught up in a bad situation and this speech she gives that's that's reminiscing about, you know, her early days. And it helped also when I went back, um, I was looking at, at the episode screenshots uh, for, for season two and season one because I went back and I was thinking, okay, which finales do I like the best? Um, and boy, they have really done so much to change these people's appearances. It's not obviously apparent unless you're comparing them. And when I saw those screenshots, I was like, I, I started to get a little, a little bit like nostalgic myself for those early seasons mm-hmm. when these characters were much younger and just coming up in this uh, organization. And it was really impactful um, for me to hear Margaret give this speech that, you know, and especially, you know, with with her walking out of the stadium at the end. Right. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. You know, this is kind of like her farewell speech. It's one mean, way or another Joe Joe Green making his way through the locker room and, and right. I, the, 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 that, that scene you talked about what made it even greater is that Margot and Alayda are the only one that know what it actually means yes and like by the end of the speech it's almost like they're just talking to each other it's very intimate they go from a room full of people to just the connection that like these people know this is the end of an era mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be over before you know it and, and yeah it's it's pretty powerful i i really like that stuff and, and that's one of the other things that ron moore does extremely well you know he does the soap opera elements but he does these very emotional speeches very well mm-hmm. for me uh the the monologues that stuff really works um and also like i don't know like i was pretty sure kelly would make it off the planet and and give birth successfully. But like uh-huh. it was really touch and go with like, is Ed going to live? Yeah. Totally. And I know my son, I was watching this with him for the first time and he was a basket case because he he is an unabashed Ed fan. He's the he's, mm-hmm. it's his favorite character. And the old man's <laughs> already looking pretty old. And it, that that looked pretty bad. That fade to black uh, that looked pretty definitive. And, you know, uh, pairing it with the Johnson Space Center disaster. Mm-hmm. Um and his his wife is like I I felt like I, I do feel like this show could kill anyone at any time because that's the way space travel is and I didn't think it had sure. it in it to kill Kelly but I wasn't sure so like a lot of this stuff works because there isn't like designated safe characters that are going to survive season to season show to show. and some of them when you think yeah. they're okay like I it was kind of a punch to, uh, to the gut to find out that Molly died in in her Johnson Space yeah. Center heroics so, so I was let down by a couple of elements um, and this these are okay. tied together I was let down by the you did Molly not stuff. like this I, I guess you so, didn't like it I did not like that they just kind of yada yada Molly's death. And there's no real reason I saw for Molly to die. I thought like the worst of it was over by the time Molly went back in to help find other people. And everybody I saw in JSC was not like choked with smoke inhalation. So I I assume she died of smoke inhalation. They don't even say 
They're just like, or the, yeah, the structure Molly's could not. have collapsed Molly's on her dead. because they, 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 she was found. But we buried never in rubble. see any of it, right? Like we, yeah. they don't even tell oh, us I guess how I'll, she died. I'll, it's just I only know that because I freeze framed on the the uh, the newspaper and read. But I'm like, well, she got buried in rubble, so I. But I'm like, wait a second, oh. that's literally only a 0.5 second scene that you have to freeze frame Jesus. on the yeah, newspaper. Yeah. But like, oh, yeah, I'm I like, well, I mean, that. to me, like, I figure you're going into a building that's on fire, um, and you're blind and this is your superpower in this scene because I think they're trying to tell uh-huh. us that this building is choked to smoke and that an average person couldn't make it their way out. But she's got the superpower of number one being the unflappable Molly Cobb sure, and number sure. two navigating those hallways blind for years gave her like this, you know, almost mm-hmm. like fucking daredevil shit. Yeah. So she has the number of steps and all that. Yeah, but it is. It's like who lived and who died was genuinely shocking to me and felt like suitable gut punches, you know, like Molly Cobb dying is uh, the yeah, end of just, an era and then and then i thought the big moment that ed dying would have been right because they didn't give it to her in this episode they just do it off screen like if ed had died uh, and we saw him crash into the surface yeah. of the planet, that's a big moment for him but, i thought but Karen imagine dying. if like they boosted off kelly and they just never came back to ed's shit <laughs> and then in the newspaper it said you saw the hero astronaut ed baldwin yeah, dies and crashes yeah, into surface uh-huh. of mars and dies you'd, you'd be super right. disappointed right so like i felt that way about molly yeah, I guess I guess I it, it felt it felt exactly like what it would be. It was barely front page news on an absolutely bonkers sure. news day. Yeah. And like there's almost a sadness and a melancholy of these fuck sticks, these conspiracy shitheads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, like this is obviously inspired by the uh, the Murrow bo- uh, bomb building. Uh, building bombing in Oklahoma City that yeah. I I fucking lived through. I mean, the, the entire facade mm-hmm. of JSC, it's it's almost like a Photoshop job. It looks so much yep. like that. Um, but but the the these these assholes have injected all this hatred and malice into what should be a triumphant day of uh of the best of humanity, self sacrificing so that others may live, uh, going through hardships, communal hardships, so that. Uh, other people can 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 have a shot at a better life. Mm-hmm. And these guys, under the guise of getting justice for Gordo and Tracy, uh, are, are murdering all these people, blowing up this building. I mean, Mar- the thing is, I, I guess I like it also because I don't know if you noticed this, but the headline makes it clear that the JSC, the Johnson Space Center, is now the Molly Cobb Space Center. Yeah, I saw that. So I thought that's kind of cool. That mm-hmm. they're going to rename it, and she's going to have a legacy throughout the rest of the the series now. Just like you know, um, Zeke and uh, uh, everybody before them. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's definitely Deke, not Zeke. Deke. I liked it. I, I mean, the other thing that was kind of a letdown is the whole bombing scenario. I feel like it was it, by the time you knew what was happening. It had happened. And I know that that's the case with a bomb, right? Like <laughs> the bomb goes off. It surprises everybody. Uh, no, nobody's around to see a bomb go off if they know it's a bomb that's going to go off. So mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It felt like uh, unlike previous seasons where the entire episode tells you what's going to happen and what what, you know, sets up the scenario for disaster here. And then they subvert it in the final seconds. This is the inverse of that, right? Like. The episode doesn't really tell you exactly what's going to happen. There's just some ominous feeling the whole time. And then mm. by the time you know what's going to happen, it's happened and it's catastrophic. They didn't subvert it. 
So this, this is a different kind of finale, and I really enjoyed it. It's just I, I, probably not as good as the season two finale, in my opinion. Boy, it's hard to beat. It's hard. It's hard to beat Gordo. Remembering he's been been jogging. He's taken up jogging. Um, that <laughs> uh-huh. was a pretty good. But I don't know, man. This finale, I think, um, definitely goes toe to toe with that one emotionally. Um, there's just a lot of like re- like individually yeah. really good scenes collectively. The fact that oh yeah, there's so much relationship built between you know the Russians at this point. Um, <sighs> I mean, that's one of the points that they make over and over again too. these two nations struggling with each other to dominate each other in space is having the effect of wielding the actual crews ever closer together. Like this is uh, sure. we talked about, you know, who is going to win? You know, is it going to be the private approach is going to be the NASA approach is going to be the R- Russian approach. Actually, it's a fucking North Korean best Korea. Mm-hmm. Best Korea got to Mars qu- uh, faster, put planted a flag. But hmm. uh I think the, the the synthesis is like the dev is kind of like they have the Harambe. They have the everyone working together and it wasn't top down. It wasn't by it was just something that like was was forged in this crucible that they had to, to survive together. Um, I don't know. I thought there's something beautiful in that. And like the overall theme mm-hmm. of the show is that um, even, even though there's, you know, countries and, and nations are as divided as other that like people, you know, people want to work together. Yeah, and that seems um, to be, you know, the general message of this show. I think, like, NASA being under attack this season, you know, both politically uh, and financially and also, like, literally under attack from terrorists, uh, it indicates that. But, like, last season, right, the finale was all about the handshake. Like, is Danielle, are Danielle <laughs> and this Russian cosmonaut going to defy orders from their superiors and do this wonderful thing for humanity. And of course they do. And it's also this big, like the public gesture versus the private that we'll never find out about of Ed refusing to blow up the Russian shuttle. And there's like right. all kinds of like that, that kind of po- politics. And I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Cause like the, 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 the stuff like this here is muted. Like there's a lot of interesting ironies. The fact that, uh, you know, Margo finally gets Sergey out, gets him to America, and yep. they have a chance maybe to build something besides this professional relationship finally. And yet because of things they did a decade ago, she now has to go to Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought like that was a pretty effective reveal too. that. Yes. Uh, I, I thought Margot died and uh-huh. I'm like, this is actually a pretty good end for this character. This feels right. Uh-huh. You know, in terms of like what what you suffer versus what you yeah. in. she's at her piano and when she gets blown up sure it's yeah it's going to be instant she's just gone so uh-huh. she doesn't have to her legacy is not going to be this that and the other but the fox that fox she she slipped the coop she ran off mm-hmm. was she just telling a bald faced lie to Aleda when she says hey we're going to talk about all this when it's over I don't know that that's a good question. That, because it, it could be that or it could just be that he she had not made up her mind yet um, about what she was going to do or she had intended. It, no, it's probably a lie because she knew she was going to be arrested ASAP. Right. Right. So. I, I, it was but she could have that lie. conversation later from jail. I don't. Okay, sure, and sure. I, well, the other thing is, like, if she made it out. Like, like would Russia try to keep that secret? But they kidnapped Margo, I guess, like they expatriated Margot or probably were it 
Because I, I wondered if like, you know, Russia was like, oh, yeah, you can, you know, once we get you out of the country, you can talk or blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I was like, well, maybe then the debt heard the the idea that she could be dead is like too good for them to give up. And like, well, no, you can't have any contact now. Yeah. But um, that's what I assume. Yeah, because it's a big deal. It's a big deal taking a, sov- a citizen from a sovereign country, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> just fly just the CIA flying you out of it. It's it's going to be. Going to, going to be frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Huh. And there are other big what events, else? So we should probably get into the recap. I yeah, I mean, as like I said, it's a ninety-minute episode. There'll be lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah, uh, let's 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 get into it. All right, we start off with the North Korean mission to Mars, crash lands on February eighth, nineteen ninety-five. Uh, crash lands on Mars, I should say, not on Earth, which you might also expect. Uh, one pilot is killed while the other survives for months, unable to communicate with anyone. And he's about to take his own life when he sees Danielle and Gregory's rover, Gregory. And then he holds him at gunpoint. We're, we're caught up to where we were last episode. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I thought this scene, we talked about how silly the idea was uh, of this guy making it on this unmanned probe. Turns out it's a Soyuz capsule. At least that's the landing. I mean, there's there's been lots of people talking, and I've been thinking about it myself. It's like, well, okay. Uh, can the, a person survive on Mars? If you tell me that they're going to have a two-man capsule and they're gonna one of them's gonna die, so this guy that's left has now got twice as much supplies and water and oxygen. Uh, he doesn't have a communication ability, so he can't talk to his his home base and come up with a plan. Uh, he he knows like I I don't know that he thought that he knew he's on a suicide mission. Do you think that the the Koreans' plan was to land somewhere in Happy Valley and <laughs> hitch a ride back, or with if they heard, if they had word that their astronaut or their you know cosmonauts, tychonauts, whatever they call them. Had successfully landed. They have a mission ready to, sh- to, to to come get them. I can't imagine or, that. That seems no way. No way. I, it seemed like they barely got these people down to Mars. There was no way they were getting them back up on on the steam of their own space program. This so guy didn't maybe. feel like he was on a suicide mission, though. You know, like it wasn't just land and they they were doing soil samples. They were conducting right. experiments. You know, he had a girl that I think. I mean, and maybe North Korea is like, well, fuck it. These guys are probably going to die there and, you know, glory to Korea and, and, and what on. I, I don't know that they're they're uh, I mean, at best. You could drop supplies to them. I I don't know, man. It it I just the, the state of their space program did not seem like they were capable of a rescue operation. So mm. or a retrieval operation. But what do uh, I know? B- but but I, I thought this is a very effective montage. We get to introduce the Lieutenant Lee here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love the steady drop in his demeanor and enthusiasm as he does the, you know, this is this is me. I've just committed just uh, co- completed our mission for a great nation. And that like the enthusiasm and wanes as the you know, you can't get a signal fixed um, as the smell of exhausted cans of food. Pile yeah, why? Why, why throw, if you're going to throw them somewhere, why not on the surface of Mars? I guess, right? Yeah, it seems like it's uh, a little. Let's, let's shit it, that it up. would be. It let's would start be. Although I guess first person to land the- shits it up. <laughs> that's the <laughs> well, that's the human way. 
the joint the joint team on the other side blown up a mountain and buried all kinds of shit on Mars. So like, yeah, uh, uh-huh. I, I think this guy can throw a couple packs of, of fucking tuna dumplings or whatever they are. Um, but I like the progression of like his beard, um, him falling and hurting himself, frustration, giving up using the 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 chopsticks. I like the the locked pine box slowly becoming a menacing thing in his mind. And then we find out it's, of course, a pistol and. Um, yeah, I, I assume the North Koreans saw what happened on the moon and decided, hey, if these people are going to be up here eventually, we need to send a gun because yeah. look at these lunatics. Or was it for su- like literally for suicide? Like that was like once the mission because if, if once the mission's over, you you both shoot each other and then you're done. Sure. I guess if he knows he's on a suicide mission. Yeah. Uh, I like I the this the the smile on the regolith and the way that all uh like and and like i i was debating with myself whether he was laughing because he'd finally found peace of the situation or was he going insane yeah the subsequent watches i started leaning more into the insane it was mm-hmm. very you know jack nicholson joker seeing his face for the first time kind of yeah <laughs> that kind of peals of laughter totally. um and like I said, this is the first scene where I noticed that like uh, this Jeff, I think it's Jeff Russo is the composer for the show um, was talking about or that I started thinking like, oh, my God, this guy's like Max Richter esque in the way that he can tickle those ivories and make you want to blow your brains out because I was right there at that North Korean guy, you yeah. know, and uh, say, then he sees not a fan of Jeff Russo's thematic work. I think he does a great job in these types of moments um, where he doesn't need a strong melody to carry you through it. He can just kind okay. of put some put some stuff down on piano. But man, his theme songs for the Star Trek stuff have left me wanting, as has the For All Mankind theme song. I don't You're think it's correct. bad. I think it's just weak melodies. You're well, correct. It's well, not he stuff. he he does he does what needs to be done to underpin the action, but yeah, you're right. He doesn't uh you know, we talked about this on all the different Star Trek shows and whatnot, but I want to give him props because sure. he uh-huh. I felt like he was a lot of why the emotional stuff really hit hard in this episode. And they needed because I was coming into this episode kind of arms crossed, eyes narrowed at this plot. And they needed for me to connect with this guy. And I needed to kind of get him mm-hmm. because the rest of the episode he's going to be used essentially for comedy prop for, for you know, as a comedy prop. Yeah. But. Uh, they did, I think, give him their their due respect here, and for Ed uh, to flex a little bit, flex his brain. God, oh, man, quit <laughs> spoiling all scene. the great scenes, man. I, I yeah, that's I, I fucking love. I learned a little bit of uh, Korean in the war. We'll, we'll uh, talk about that when we get there. Uh, you know what yeah. makes me angry in this scene? It's the line what? "You are trespassing," specifically <laughs> that line. Because what what does that even mean? We're on yeah. an, an alien planet. How far from your ship is considered your land? Like, if you're the first person here, do you get all of Mars? Like, what is <laughs> trespassing in this scenario? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think there's actually international space treaties that have something to say about that. But that, I mean, I, I guess that's part of the thing is that uh, in certainly there's been trespassing in years past on a celestial object that, such as the moon. So... You could kind of say that uh, this guy learned learned all this stuff from watching the the bigger brothers uh, I mean, fighting man. fighting over the dinner table. Yeah, no, it's yeah, an, he it's, needed the gun. He knew he needed the gun. One way. Or so another. I want to talk about before we move on the similarities. Uh, how much foreshadowing went into that last scene we saw last season 
the finale of season two where you know they're playing nirvana um and uh, we're going to the red planet we see the enormous dust dust storm that was impeding danielle and ed's efforts hmm. uh we see that the north korea the the this site is just on the leading edge of that storm front they just got there a couple days early before the storm settled in it's the exact frame by frame shot it's not the exact shot because at least on our review copy this was still like an animatic it was unfinished it wasn't uh completely mm-hmm. textured and lighting and all that stuff so they uh, they they redid this shot but it's the exact same like the blue stri- stripe running down the suit we should have known that yeah. either they had just decided to retcon their show's history which is what i thought or that this was a hint that the first man and woman wrestling on mars was a whole sham job mm-hmm. uh but I don't know. I thought there was a lot of really cool. Also, at the point where you first see the Korean office, uh, you know, the lieutenant, uh, Nirvana's uh, uh, Kurt Cobain saying, and I don't have a gun, <laughs> which was, uh, you know, was was I, people were obsessing over on a subreddit for a week. Um, I, I just thought it was really cool that they had all that stuff baked into that. What I thought was just a throwaway tease of Mars in season season two. Yeah. No, they knew where they were going, apparently. All right, let's uh, move over to the vice president paying Ellen a visit to suggest that she resign under threat of a nasty impeachment. And she says she'd rather destroy the Republican Party than resign. It needs a little destroying. Uh, This felt a little bit like wish wish fulfillment that, you know, you would have one of the two major parties just decide before things get terminal. Let's just re let's just refactor everything. Sure. I don't know. It felt like it, it felt a little bit like, like I said, the uh, fan service and that Ellen could call this idiot out for what he really is. Uh, that was the fan service part for me, too. Yeah, because, yeah, he doesn't give a shit about her. Come on. Her legacy. And apparently that's his he's trying to get security party support by saying, yeah, I'm going to I'll sign that NASA bill. We will strip the power. Right. I, I don't. I, I had a big question about where NASA is at the end of the season, because you've got. Their leader is a spy, but I don't think anyone will know it outside mm-hmm. of a, few, a handful of individuals. It's not public information. You've got like the objective failure of the Mars program, but they have to at least send the Sojourner to or they're going to let all those people die. Kelly, yeah. which, they, you know, he's saying is like this tawdry Soviet love child, Martian love baby. But I think it's clearly captured the American public, especially now and, that no astronauts died for it. Yeah. And then and then the uh, the Johnson Space Center gets exploded, which mm-hmm. I think is going to have people's sides on their, their sympathy. Um, I really do. Yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about where what, what NASA looks like in, in eight years. Yeah, it seems like it would be hard to defund NASA after the events of JSC. I would think publicly, it would seem like, like kicking something when it's down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe that saved it in a strange way. <laughs> Plus, the astronaut being a famous or the the president, even though she came out as gay, and America doesn't know quite what to think about that. She is a heroic astronaut, and like mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people she knows were friends with went through their you know uh, the, the training program, the Apollo thirteen training program together. Um, I wonder if that helps to soften. You know, it's like anyone is going to get up and be like, oh, you lied about being gay is going to be like, ah, 
boy, she's going through a lot right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that factors in. Attack somebody who just lost a bunch of her friends. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we go over to Karen trying to visit Wayne, but Molly's the only one home. And eventually she tells Molly about her dilemma, which is whether to throw Dev under the bus and take his job. And Molly tells her to be a selfish brick. Selfish bricks change the world, she says. And she's not wrong, but the question in my mind remains, do selfish bricks change the world for the better or for the worse? Well, this particular potential selfish prick ain't changing shit except for her distance below ground ratio. Uh, So like a lot of this is like a little academic at this point because both these these selfish pricks. (laughs) They're both dead. Uh, I I did love this because this is another one of the moments of sly comedy. I mean, this is like awkward on the level of when uh, Jesse Pinkman had dinner with the whites that one time on Breaking Bad. Like, She's trying to compliment her paintings like that's actually Wayne's corner and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to then she starts doing her Karen thing where she's like quietly cleaning up their like weed table. Uh-huh. And Molly's like, I can't I, I, I'm blind, but I can feel the shit radiating off you. Um, and she gives uh, she gives Karen, I think, some good advice. Uh, if uh, you're in a businessman, you got to be a businessman. You got to you got to put all this personal shit behind you. And if you want something, you got to take it. Um, I mean, like, it's not like it's not like the board's going to be like, gee, Karen, you gave us a lot to think about. We'll keep him in place. Like you can fall That's on your thing. you yeah. can fall on dev sword with him and both be shown the door. But I thought that was really, you know, when she she liked to talk about that Gordo situation. Like I took Gordo's thing. He trained for years for. Did I worry that he's going to not like me or that he was going to get his feelings hurt? Fuck No. I rode that rocket, found ice on the moon. So, yeah, I mean, so so there's always a third path, right? I mean, she could stand with Dev and fight. I mean, if if his plea to his team worked in this episode and everybody decided they were either going to continue the Mars mission at Helios or do a walkout, um, I'm pretty sure Helios would continue their Mars missions. You know, Mm. can can Dev and Karen put up that big of a fight? Probably not, but, you know, th- there is an option. You know, she doesn't have to be a selfish prick and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have to just surrender here. She could fight with Dev, but I, I mean, I take Molly's meaning too. Like, I also agree the board is not likely to back down. So do you want to throw yourself on your own sword um, for Dev or do you want to take the job that's been offered to you? It's a dilemma for sure. Yeah, but I don't know I how much she, makes she owes the right Dev. Choice. Like, that's the thing. I never felt like they were especially close, or she particularly owed him. Like, she, no, they've known each other for less than a year, right? Uh-huh. About a year and a half max. And, and she says she owes him, but I, I don't very strongly agree with that. I think, like, right. yeah, he gave her a job at Helios, but it's not like she was in a bad place. It's not like a later, right? Where like she owes Margot something because Margot bet on her when no one else would. Yeah. She was a fucking ultra successful businesswoman with probably hundreds of millions of dollars from her yeah. last venture. Why does she owe this man anything? I, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, um, but I also think that she is that, like Molly said, you know, you've always wanted to be the selfish person, 
but you've had all this 1950s astronaut housewife bullshit in your head that you needed to get deprogrammed. And part of that is like, yeah, like most, most, most men in her position wouldn't even think twice, like uh, a a fuck a business uh, associate over so I can get more power and money. Like, yeah, that's the whole point. Um, so like Molly, I think is doing her, uh, uh, like I said, I, I don't know that that's the be all end all of, of human endeavors, but it's certainly, certainly the way things are done down to this day. Um, yeah. and if you're going to play in that world, then, then you either need to play by those rules or you'll be the, you, you'll be the person, you know, with the knife in the gunfight, because people said that you're supposed to be sporting in these type of events. <laughs> like, no, it's a dog fight. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Change for the sake of change has never been something I'm interested in. I want change to better uh, our society, better people, better us somehow. Sure. Uh, you know, just changing things because you're being a selfish prick just to change something to your POV doesn't well, actually entice me. And it's also not the total story with Molly. Because she also selflessly put her body on the line to save that uh, goofy uh, Danish astronaut whose name was his name like Wooby Wooberson. Wooberson. Like, it was it was some kind of yeah yeah uh, it, it was some kind of very Dutch or Norwegian name that I thought was Wooby. I thought it was Wooby. Um, but she she lost her career because she drugged that guy to cover. Uh, under a scorching oh, solar moon. flare storm yeah, yeah, yeah. on the moon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it's mm-hmm. not that she is just a selfish prick full time. Uh, she takes her advantage, but like, sh- and I, I think that uh, maybe that's the difference between her and, and Dev and, and, and Karen is that I don't, w- would Dev put himself on the line like that? Right. To save somebody else's st- He wouldn't put a start. He definitely didn't put a starship on the line when he was in that position. Uh huh. So. I thought it was an interesting contrast because like, yeah, and that's because it's, it's like, what is the show's thesis is the show that, that you should be selfish pricks and take every advantage and step over people to get in the way. Or is it more of the Harambe type of thing? And I think like even Molly's kind of like half and half. She's not purely yeah, selfish yeah. prick or she wouldn't be blind. She'd still, she'd probably be commanding the Mars mission. And look at the way she dies, right? <laughs> she died exactly. going back into a burning building to save people. So, for an institution that had kicked her in the teeth and thrown her out. You know, she was there yeah. as a personal favor to her Fred, uh, friend Ed Baldwin and ended up saving a bunch of people's lives at the Johnson Space Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I, like I said, it's very subtle stuff, but I think um, it, it's it's important. All right. Up on Mars, Dimitri, the space doctor, tells Ed they have 24 hours to deliver Kelly's baby or both the baby and Kelly risk death. They don't have the fuel to launch the MSAM yet, though. So it's a big old dilemma. Did you think it was sexist the way the Russian doctor pulled that away to talk about Kelly's condition? I I want to get to the bottom as two men. I, I think we should get to the bottom yeah, of this. And then the women listening can this. like, yeah, yeah FAM at ballmove.com. You can rate how we do. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'll go. I'll, I'll say <laughs> that a life threatening pregnancy on Mars is maybe the one case where you could take someone <laughs> Aside, that's not the person involved and talk about the risks and stuff. And then, and then, and then talk about how you're going to approach that with them. I'm not saying that you'd never bring Kelly back in, but like, but he's the commander of the mission. She's got pre-claimed. Like why say, be like, you know, we don't get this baby out of you and and we have no way to do that and get you to the starship in 24 hours, which again, we're a month away from. 
Right. You and your child are going to die. And we have no answers for you. And also your blood like, pressure is a little high right now. So if you could just calm down and bring that down yeah, a little bit, that'd be great. I feel like accident, like trauma victims the same way. Like if you're fighting for your life, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe take the husband or wife or the son or daughter aside and explain what the uh, mother, father, husband, wife is going through. Uh, so you can, you know, because like their attention is full up on like dealing with their their personal crisis. I don't know. I felt like it wasn't, especially since like, it's not like they just strapped her to the top of that thing and launched her up and, and didn't get her full. Yeah. They, they, they eventually came back. Like I, the first time I watched, I'm like, this is kind of weird that they're let's, 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 let's have a conversation away from the little lady. But I feel like on other watches, I'm like, no, that's probably something I can get behind. Is Ed just the de facto commander of happy valley now like there's some no Danielle's but he is the father station, so like like i think if alexi was alive he'd be having his conversation with alexi but he's not and maybe. ed's here but like ed is a commander and he's her father and i think right. through russian or math that makes him in charge <laughs> okay. and the other two commanders are that is definitely sexist but so. yeah yeah uh yeah yeah i uh, i don't know i don't know if it's sexist or not but it's what happens uh, and it leads to a pretty outstanding scene later in the episode. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can't wait to get there. Uh, Danielle and Gregory realize that their North Korean captor was the first man on Mars. It turns out. And Danielle tries to explain to him with sand diagrams what their intentions are. She seems to be getting through to him. But then Gregory sneaks up behind him, unplugs his arrows and takes his gun. Danielle saves the man and they bury the gun, load up the equipment and their new prisoner and head back yeah crewmate uh i'm not I, i'm not sure what to call this guy either and it's it's a topic of discussion the, the yeah. episode Ellen's i thought sure the scene i thought the scene was hilarious the look of the commander the russian commander gregory and and uh, danielle's face as they're sitting there at gunpoint with this north korean has no idea what the hell he's doing mm-hmm. and they're like going back and forth and then they start they realize that he beat them to the mar and they start hysterically laughing and then they show the north koreans guys like these guys are all glum because i took him present and now they're just laughing like the joker what the hell is going on i yeah. his, his confusion was great They've got the space um, madness. Better shoot them before it spreads, man. I, I, I like the Russian cosmonaut, the commander kind of filling in the blanks about like why North Korea might do something like this. Like they, you know, they have kind of a national insecurity. They want to prove that they're uh, a world power, but also they're afraid that they'll embarrass themselves. So this is all hush hush, very secret. Uh, they probably don't even know the guy's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then Danielle's attempts to do this pantomime you know, the, the, she's playing. She's playing. What is that? Uh, cranium on on Mars, trying to make himself out. And then the Russian guy once once the Korean gets engrossed in the game, just pulls his air hose off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, they play Connection by Elastica as oh, right. a hilarious, mm-hmm. which I think is hilarious because he pulls the guy's connection. They're making this connection. Um. And and the way the Russian commander just smiles, his like wolfish smile once he gets and he like poses with his gun like James Bond. Yeah, I thought it is it's great. I I'm starting to really warm it up is. to this guy. Yeah, I suppose so. Now that he's not being a total shit to Danielle the whole time. He, he's not being a bag. giant prick. He is he's he's kinda or he's using his his prick powers for good. Sure. Uh this gun. 
gets buried with a tire iron uh, marking the location. This is 100% going to come back, especially with Danny being being sent to man the, the North Korean outpost, right? Is this the bag of cash on Fargo? Where every season of Fargo, we're like, where, where is, no, it's still out there. It's going to, it's, it's still out there by that highway. There's still that red, red, uh, winds, windshield wiper monument to it. Every season we're wrong. I wondered because like, so here's something. Danny could use it to escape his exile, but like we're clearly going forward eight years. Like uh, like the sandstorms will bury this inevitably. What what is what is this Chekhov's North Korean gun on Mars? I assume Danny will find it. Like we'll come back eight years later. But eight years later, Danny's off Mars. He's not staying on Mars yeah. for eight years. The Sojourner Two he might be in jail or something. <laughs> but but yeah. yeah 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 yeah. Uh, I wonder so, if he's criminally negligent. He, he might be court-martialed, and I guess that's yeah, that, that would be. But like, I, I'm trying to think if he committed like like workplace negligence. If someone showed up drunk and high and killed someone, are they criminally? Like, they might be. Maybe they might be. Depends. On I know them. if you like did that on your personal time and you hit someone drunk driving, that would it's yeah, it's clear cut. You got criminal liability there. But like on a workplace, <laughs> I, I don't know for the federal government. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, you're probably right. It's not. It's not going to come back. But it seems strange that it wouldn't come back. Yeah, I mean everything so in there tells me this is important. It's coming. We're coming back later. This is going to like we're marking the point where it is, and then I kept on expecting it was going to be needed somehow. Like I mean, maybe it at one point I like- thought is Ke- I, when they're trying to figure out the second stage. I'm like, is Kelly going to like have a gun and like firing rounds backwards to get that extra impulse <laughs> and propulsion? Sure. Yeah, yeah, but no, they didn't do that. Uh, I guess it could be there for eight years, and then someone in the North Korean outpost could take it, could use it for something like i don't think anybody else on mars has a gun i think i don't want to say they learned their lesson on the moon but they didn't send any guns as best i can tell to mars but eight eight years is a long damn time i know i think i mean i think the gun can be fresh for eight years i think that gun could probably be Uh fresh for hundreds of years on uh buried uh foot beneath mars just how you um, find it like a metal detector are they are they gonna send one of those up Although I will say that the dust storms on Mars are not like it's not like they're moving feet of material around because right. again the the Martian atmosphere even though you hear you like you hear like oh Martian dust storms whipping at four hundred miles an hour that's at like one one hundredth of the air pressure that we experience at sea level so right. a four hundred mile wind would feel something like a fifteen mile an hour breeze if you were mm-hmm. running around naked out of Mars it just doesn't have the strength to pick up like heavy heavy material like that that thing that that's actually anti-science the beginning of a martian where the right. windstorm picks up a large metal structure and impales an astronaut with it that's mm-hmm. that's just not going to happen uh it'll cover your fucking solar panels in a in a fine dust so you got to clean them off or they won't work anymore and you got to do a bunch of stuff but like i don't i don't know that this thing would be buried it's sticking a foot out of the ground uh-huh. so i guess it's going to come back and we'll see we'll it's see to. how and why yeah, it'd right, be kind of funny if it's a monument to international peace. That would be a really <laughs> slick way. I was wondering if they were, yeah, using it as like a flag planting sort of thing. But 
Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, an international peace monument, I suppose. That would we'll be it. I think that would be inappropriate if we come back to uh, Happy Valley next season and that's like, uh, you know, built up a little bit kind of the way they had. Uh, was it Deke that, that, that they had the uh, the grave on the moon for? Uh, it'd be cool Maybe. if they had something kind of like that. And then it just keeps growing in, in years past or in seasons past. Mm-hmm. All right. Ellen gets the news about the North Koreans on Mars and she worries about what to do about both her situations. I think she's talking to Mikhail Gorbachev here. Yep. That's what I assumed. Uh, Cause she calls him Mikhail a few times. And we've seen him this year in yeah, Mikhail Gorbachev in camera with her. So, Oh, Oh, when was that? They're doing a statement about uh, the fact that the Americans are going to pick up the Russians and it's going to be a okay. joint operation. He came to the white house and there was this doctored footage of him you know, with, yeah, yeah. with the fictitious Ellen. Right. Uh, yeah, but not, not a big scene there. Um, what do you think about his, his, the Russian proverb? I ran from the wolf, but ran into the bear. I mean, out of the frying pan into the fire, right? That's essentially what that saying is. I felt like this is anything that takes away from the gay hysteria. Yeah. Uh, facing her would be like the opposite of a bear would be like I ran from the wolf but then ran into a wolf hunter and he killed the wolf and everything was okay <laughs> like like there's nothing that, guess, that can but, it's but, a but tragedy, good can right? come from the rush from the North Korean guy well I mean they've lost their their claim to Mars to oh. being the first people on Mars so like I could see him, him like thinking that's a pretty big deal. And then by the yeah. end of the episode, the, the, there's a okay. fucking bear for sure. I wonder um, if it was, was, do you think he was kind of like low key warning her about what was coming? Maybe like, cause he knows right in this conversation, he knows that he's got the NASA's chief administrator in his pocket. Yeah, you could be right. He's playing a little sly here. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, speaking of, NASA administrators in pockets. Katish tells Margo that she's being investigated by the FBI and offers to help. And Margo does not really give an answer here. She just kind of looks into the middle distance. Margo, this is your last ta- chance to off ramp. Mm-hmm. The Russians have admitted that they have an asset high in the Justice Department. You could bring that information to the Justice Department and offer to help expose. Damn. As a one-to-one toe, and you just like all these opportunities just keep. She just keeps. She's she's like yeah. Jack Sparrow. She likes waving as as she passes them and says goodbye. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about trading that for immunity. For sure, there's something I don't know. Like God damn, living the rest she of your know life. Who it is though? She just knows there is an asset. Like no, you have just bring. To do- that yeah, would be valuable information, and I bet there's ways. Like I said, I'm not a I'm not a counterintelligence expert, but do you know who is the the FBI and the CIA? I feel, and, like the, uh, I feel like the DOJ should always be assuming there's a spy in their ranks, and always be canary be, trapping right? and right fucking you know dead dropping shit. They they should be acting like everyone on staff is a spy. Uh, no, high level espionage is really fascinating, and it w- must be said that Soviets were always very, very good at it. Oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah. they were. Uh, <laughs> they were very good at spycraft. Indeed. 
that KGB really knew how to embed a spy. Uh, and then the Helios team tries to figure out how to get the fuel they need to uh, get the MSAM back to the Phoenix. And Dev pulls Karen aside to convince her to join him in a last-ditch effort to save his company. Karen says, eh, actually, the board's going to be replacing you with me. And, of course, he's pissed off. Let me show you this card that I'm carrying. Oh, look, it says I'm a selfish prick and I get to do this. Uh-huh. Uh... She tries to be the nicest version of a selfish she prick, does. but she's still. She tries yeah. to give him the soft landing of like, hey, you're still on a board and I'm still on mm-hmm. your side. And, you know, if we play this right, we can. And he's like, nah, I'm not going to have it. I keep hearing her say it. our company. And every time she says our company, I expect Dev to say, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I he built this does. company from nothing. Yeah, you dick. This is not our company. It's my company. But he's I thought that was consistently through the whole conversation. He is my company, my company. She's our company, Uh our company. So she's and I I thought like I thought she's trying to build common cause with him that this wasn't Uh like an usurpation of like, oh, I did. You know, it's more of like, hey, I believe in this just as much. But that's but it comes across as so nakedly what she's doing. I thought Dev would take offense to it. It does. And also like, it's just also, I think it is offensive when someone, you know, you haven't worked your ass off like Dev, like Dev's been doing this stuff at college. Like Dev invented nuclear fusion with his buddy. Like you had a space hotel that almost killed everyone, you know? Right. Uh, And we bought, we saved your failing company by buying your ship. Yeah. Your busted ass ship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, um, it's tricky, uh, but I, you know, like I said, I'm on, I'm a bit on more on Karen's side. Um, I don't know why. I guess because I trust her more. Well, she's dead. I keep on like, yeah, there's just not. <laughs> yeah. What? So I, I guess this is their way of preserving Dev as a character because it seems likely that he's going to survive into next season. Helios isn't going to get to Eight abandon their Mars base. Damn. Yeah, like this probably between Karen dying and leaving a leadership vacuum and NASA being forced to commit to support the Helios operation. Um, I, I I wonder if that's enough to save him, gives him enough uh, room to maneuver. Gives sympathy on the world stage too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, here yeah, all mean, of his, his people are making this huge sacrifice to, to make sure one you know, tragically single mother is going to be able to have a shot raising her child. Um, I, I don't know. And and it has to be a multi-year mission at this point. They have, they have years to think about it, right? Cause mm-hmm. you know, they can't just take the Phoenix back to earth. They've got nine astronauts stranded on the planet. You don't, you can't abandon them, right? You have to stay there. Whether you can, whether you can get access to them or not, you have to stay there. Oh no! I think so Phoenix is coming for back Sojourner. for sure. You Seriously, you, you think? Oh, yeah, I think Sojourner can look. do it all by herself. But but they they so here's the here's the way to look at it. There's nothing the Phoenix can now that the NSAM sure. is wrecked. Truly, uh-huh. there's nothing the Phoenix can do to support these people. The only thing they can do is cause a problem that needs more people to be rescued. But the so optics I, of it, man. The optics. Do you think of abandoning the opti- people, nine people on the planet of Mars? I don't know. That seems like bad optics to me, but. What do I, know? I feel like it wouldn't buy. I mean, because I, I guess I guess if you either understand the situation or you don't, if you don't, you look sure. at it like, oh, you abandon your people. But like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, personally, I 
I would say, yeah, abandon them because like if there's literally nothing you can do, that's then it's pointless to stay there with this baby getting irradiated in space for sure. But like to me, abandoning is like is that, that scene way. at in the Master and Commander where like the mast has gone off the ship and there's a dude up there and he's trying to swim back, but it's it's drowning the ship and they got to cut him free. He's going to drown. Mm-hmm. This is more like there's not enough room on the ship. Uh, and we're going to put a lifeboat out here and leave you guys out here to chill. And there's no way we can come back to get you either way. So we're going to go back home and help with the rescue. Like, it's like, that's not my definition mm-hmm. of like stranding someone. No, I agree. Uh, although I know it's literally a plain reading of, of what's happening here. No, I, I agree. I'm, I'm very sympathetic to the idea that they should just come back home. But like I said, the public doesn't always see it that way. You know, you have psychos who are out there, Bombing True, buildings people because bombing they the don't building, see yeah. Gordo and and what's the real reason they left all those men and women on the ground? They yeah. saw the green men, right? Yeah, right. So the other thing that's happening in this scene when Karen is talking to Dev here is she's reinforcing this idea that Dev doesn't actually care about the people that he's pretending to care about. She says the people you claim to care so much about. Uh, and then, you know, he throws it back. Oh, so you're doing this for them, no one else. And of course, she has to say no. But I think what they're setting up here is the scene later where Dev tries to talk his team into joining him on a new venture and walking mm-hmm. out of Helios and and mm-hmm. does not fill them in on all the details about how that would work with the pay cuts and giving up stock options and what right. it would cost them. And Karen's right. there to point that out to show that you're actually not doing this all for the the people that you claim to care so much about either so Mm -hmm. i think i think there's a nice symmetry there uh and it really works later on so then we go over to ed explaining that they need to cut a thousand more pounds out of the msam to get it up to the phoenix with the amount of fuel they have uh turns out the crew members weigh just about a thousand pounds and over kelly's objections they all volunteer to stay behind for a year and a half to get her up to the phoenix on the next pass and then Ed informs NASA. I think there's going to be uh, some people trying to do some body math and trying to figure out that like, well, actually, they probably <laughs> yeah, could have brought three people. And I'm like, man, they also had to weld a big old metal structure to the top of this to hold Kelly. I was like, I, I mm. think it's within the realm of don't fucking worry about it. You know, like, do you want to save this yeah. young woman and her baby or not? You know, also, and then once you decide... A- yeah, you're right. And also, this is a nine musketeers situation, right? Like, one for all, all for one. They can't, like, pick and choose who's actually going to go back up to the Phoenix and go home. Well, so I just, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm crazy. But the way I look at it as an astronaut is this way. If we could get more people up there, I would gladly have them mm-hmm. because that means more food for me, more yeah, non-recycled piss water for me. Uh, more uh, CO2, Clearly, normal CO2. Concern, yeah, though. they don't even go over like, well, do we have enough food? Are we going to be able to recycle enough? Yeah, water they just say that like, yeah, if we just ration and the crops come, it's going to be fine. And I, I imagine it will be. But uh, yeah, yeah, I I'd still they they might be my, a little bit Mark Watney at the end of uh, the Martian. We probably won't you know? know because we skip all that eight years to two thousand three. So. I imagine we'll get oblique references like, oh, remember yeah, that yeah. one year when we, you know, you don't know tough. Like, yeah, I, I imagine. But yeah, we won't. We, I mean, we, I, mean I imagine Valley we'll know if one of them dies for one of the people who starves to death or something. Yeah. Up there. I mean, yeah, maybe Skinny will. Valley. They'll rename it. Yeah. Skinny Valley. Sure. 
Starvation Alley. <laughs> uh, the news reports live from Johnson Space Center and Jimmy's friends send him inside to plan a device on the broadcast system. This plan doesn't really pay off, but the, the thing I could gather from this scene is that they were going to send some kind of message uh, into perhaps into the facility as they were bombing it. I, I think the idea was because like, uh, you know, when you have big launches and stuff like that, NASA provides a feed to the media that they essentially all the they, they carry. And right. I think what they were going to do is hijack that and and give like, you know, a, a, a jihad style mm-hmm. you know, mission statement and then blow themselves up. Uh yeah, I, I I think that's what they were going to. This is just yeah, it's just just you know textbook terrorism. They were going to mm-hmm. have a message and then be martyrs and blow because they clearly were planning on blowing themselves up. I don't think that they yes. were going to leave the area. Although I don't know, maybe they would. Maybe they're going to record something and have it set up and rig the play because they did. Why would you want a remote detonator if you're just going to blow it up outside the van? Maybe they did. Oh have a plan. yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I, I think that's what it was. They're gonna they're gonna hijack NASA's signal. Is gonna go out inadvertently to all like simultaneously live, and then the building would blow up. Mm-hmm. But Jimmy that fucked it sense. up. Yeah, Jimmy unwittingly kept them from the you know deploying the psychological part of their payload. Yeah, which is nice. Um, they're having no luck coming up with an idea to get the MSAM the other five percent of the way to the Phoenix. So Margot calls uh, Alita out into the hall. She's pretty distracted. Um, and Elena tries to confess about the investigation, but turns out Margot already knows. And Margot says, we'll talk after this is over, but right now we need to focus. Then Elena comes up with an idea to use Kelly's PMU, which is propulsive mobility unit, to essentially her jetpack, to get her the rest of the way to the Phoenix. I haven't seen a more pregnant we'll talk once this is all over since... Sean Bean said goodbye to Jon Snow in season one of Game of Thrones yeah, saying, yeah. when this blows over, I'll, I'll tell you all about your mother, kid. Uh-huh. Except for except for Ned didn't mean to to leave that thing dangling. I think mm-hmm. Margot plain reading. Is she intentionally just ducking this? You're going to you're so. never going to know. You're never going to know. Yeah, she knows one way or another. She's not coming out of this situation in in the way she entered it. So like. Let me ask you this. They could have a prison conversation, but that's going to be years down the line. Once her trial's over, all that stuff, it's. This is stupid, maybe. And I'm just coming off of just literally having this idea. Mm -hmm. Is there a possibility that Russia funded or put up this kind of like dissident group and they intentionally Mm -hmm. like use them as cover to steal Margot? I mean, it's possible. We don't really see the origins, right? The Jimmy just meets these people kind of in the middle of. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that like bo- uh, domestic bombing is way different than like, you know, fucking around on Facebook and manipulating, you know, bots and stuff like that. But it, it's probably not. It's probably, probably just something not. that just, literally was opportunistic, you know? Yeah. And I think this is much more the thing they're going for here is the Timothy McVeigh stuff. Yeah, the Oklahoma yeah. City bombing, um, anti-government dissidents, essentially. Yeah, which I don't think the Russians were involved in that, but I could nah. be wrong. <laughs> Who knows? World may never know. Uh, this is a batshit insane plan, and I love it. <laughs> this is the kind of out of the box thinking that will take you places, Aleda. 
and already has taken you places. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I'm I thought, with I'm with government issue face man, whoever whoever this guy is, who says like, wait, let me get this straight. You basically want to turn this woman into a rocket? Yeah, yep. light her up. Mm-hmm. I also love how they left the room and everything was like calm and orderly and they come back and like bill screaming uh at nasa you crashed your damn ship and they're like well you blew up a mountain and they're like at each other's throats and margo's got to like ah, yeah. i'm gonna listen to what alita has to say the russians but, uh, in here we can we can get to uh first causes <laughs> yeah 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 but actually margo's uh, but in the room never mind it's fine and I'm like, man, what is this going to look like? And I start, you know, you start thinking and the show, I think, does a really good job of like addressing all your concerns. Like, how are you going to strap a woman to the front of a rocket? And well, there's very little atmosphere in Mars. So it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's going to be like riding around something that we saw last year in the back of the uh, LSAM, the Lunar Surface Ac- uh, Access Module. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these kind of like deal one by one. Well, does it have enough fuel or build a framework so it has more fuel? Will you be- and I, by the time I thought this was a pretty plausible way to do this one thing, I do wonder what kind of G's they were pulling and what kind of effect that would have on a preeclampsic woman and pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm not supposed to be thinking that hard. And also, this is her only well, shot. She either gets to the ship and gives birth or her yeah. and baby die. So, you know, it's Might it's well a it's shoot your shot. Yeah. yeah, but I felt uh, like they're. They, they, I felt like I don't know. They could have accentuated that part of the danger because it felt like all mm-hmm. the danger was like, can Ed get her to orbit? Can she hit the? But like you know, I, I could have used the uh, one of those montage scenes of a journalist talking to a NASA flight surgeon talking about the risks of a G force. So just, I think that would just elevate the tension. You know, I, I wanted Bill to say also, if she misses, she's just gone. Like she's going to yeah. be floating in space. She'll be the first woman who delivers a child in a spacesuit, <laughs> and three hours later they'll die. Yeah, right. that would be not. That wouldn't look good on the front page of any headline. No. Uh, yeah, there are any number of things that could have gone wrong here. I, I don't know. Uh, it seems like a crazy plan, but it is the only plan. So yeah, go with it. And that's that's the story of of the space program in this show, right? We have no plan. Oh shit! Here's our plan. That's a terrible plan. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all Apollo thirteen all the time on this show. <laughs> yep, I love it. All right, Dev tries to convince his team to leave Helios and join him in a new venture, but Karen points out how much financial hardship that would involve for themselves, and the the team waivers. Uh, I thought this I, was. Go yeah. ahead. I was gonna say. I, I love this scene because there is a push pull here that I really like. I believe the dev has a vision and I believe in his vision. And if I'm a team member here, I'm getting excited about starting a new thing with him. Um, I also think for my, for my uh, tastes, a space co-op corporation is fucking awesome. A hundred percent. Let's do that. I think all corporations, honestly, should probably be co-ops. Um, but then you have Karen pointing out, you know, that they're going to lose a lot of the stuff they've been working for. It's not just that they can switch teams here and and continue on the way they've been going. They're going to lose about a hundred thousand dollars, I guess, is what in stock options is what they say. That's what and one they guy would also says, take yeah. pay cuts. Yeah, 
with uncertain, you know, like it's not dev doesn't have Helios behind them. You'd be starting off from scratch. I thought this was great. It's like it shows the difference between this guy who's ready to go, like push push all his chips in the corner or all his mm-hmm. chips in the center of the table. Because if he loses ninety nine percent of his net value, yeah, he'll still be amongst one of the wealthiest people in the world. These kids lose ninety nine percent of their value and they're they're homeless. You know, yeah. they're panhandling in Austin. They're busking. Uh, and it's it's just um, it's where it's where vision and reality meet. And I think that's an interesting intersection. And the thing is, is I don't know that this is malicious. I don't think that that uh, Dev went in here thinking that he was going to Pied Piper these these kids off to financial oblivion. It's just that mm-hmm. he's out of touch. He's got he's no longer on. that. Yeah. He's no longer that hungry kid in college that watched his dad make all these sacrifices. Get he is he's now thinks that uh, it's like they said that uh, it's all gone to his head. His ego has gone to his head. It's out of control, and he just wants mm-hmm. to find the thing that keeps him his dream alive, um, yeah. and doesn't stop and think about the responsibilities he has to these other people. Um, and I don't blame him. Like you know, it's yeah. a dream that I believe in. Like I said, but I think you know they're. He he needs to let these people explore the the possibility space here a little bit, right, right, and then right. what they're going to be sacrificing because I'm sure he made a ton of sacrifices through college sure. and the years after in order to get this stuff off the ground and realize his vision, but he's no longer in that place and these people might be so, yeah. But he's got that well, it's just money kind of philosophy of people that you know, can lose 99% of their net value. Yes. and still like, it's yeah, it's all, it's you're all play, who, you're who playing. You never have to money, think about you know? money in their life again. Right. It's, exactly. Except yeah. where it limits the wildly enormous dreams they have. That's the only right. time he butts up against money problems. It's like that. Did you ever see this is 40, that Judd Apatow movie where no. like, uh, who was that? It was Paul Rudd. And I forget his wife, but they're, you know, they're, the whole plot is like they're going, they're going rich people broke, which means they're gonna have to sell their vacation house and choke down yeah. from a Porsche to a Volvo. And oh mm-hmm. my God, what are, you know, like it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's, it's interesting movie, um, but it's kind of like the same thing I got watching Dev talking about this is just like, yeah, the, a person that just doesn't understand what, what, when, when he's talking about, we're all making these sacrifices, we're all pulling for, well, you're going to be on the cover of times. And if we go broke, mm-hmm. we're going to be in the bread lines. That's the we and I dichotomy here. And I wonder, because I, yeah. I, I feel like they're they're saving Dev for a character next season. I wonder if they will come back like Dev 2.0 will be a guy who's like blended all these different lessons together. Um, could be. He'll yeah, be he self-financed. He'll 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 go like the NASA model of like you know, and and then you know may, maybe uh, make sure his people are also independently wealthy. So they've got I don't know I don't know I don't know what what a dev what a better dev looks like. Yeah, um, I mean the co-op idea is a good start, right? If everybody's yeah. an owner with an equal share, like that's the true structureless organization that he was touting Helios as, right? But right. But he's I think he's a I think he's I think he's a scared. I think he's scared. I, I think yeah. he's afraid to give up that much control. Um, and maybe that's so. the character growth he goes through, you know, eight years later. Uh, Could be. Plus, uh, also NASA getting like devastated. It's got to be good. You know, if you're looking for silver linings as a private investor, got to be good for the private space program. Mm-hmm. The fact that their their nerve center got bombed and probably a lot of their staff, top staff was there. 
Like that's going to be a yeah. huge blow. It's going to take them years to recover from. And here's Dev with his helium three mining operation and his buyout for AI. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands. Cause I think he'll, he'll be a central figure going forward. Yeah. Could be. All right. Ed explains to Kelly, the plan to launch her to the Phoenix and she agrees to go along with it. Uh, and look- will apparently be the pilot, which worries Kelly because there will be no spare fuel for his landing. The look on her face, her deadpan, you know, I'm going to ride to Phoenix on the top of the MSAM mm-hmm. and, you know, and like Ed talking about how and then her views like, well, if it's the thing I got to do to save my baby, I he thought says, that was oh, priceless. It's, it's, it's like riding a boogie board, you know, it's yeah, it's nothing. No big deal. Yeah. And and um, I think not unreasonably that Ed is appealing to the geniuses at NASA to save him with only two or three percent rocket fuel left. Yeah. To land uh, back on Mars. And they also when he says, and I got the best pilot I know to help us out, I fucking knew it was going to be Molly. And mm-hmm. it was such a huge moment when <laughs> she comes back. Uh, I guess I'll let you introduce the scene. Yeah, Molly returns to NASA to help work the problem of getting Ed safely back down to Mars. That's it. Uh, and, it, you know, everyone gives her various welcomes. Yeah, she gets all this. She gets all this dap and she's like, all right, all right, all right. That's enough of this shit. Now, where's the queen of darkness? <laughs> That's and so how funny. She accurately predicts exactly what Ed said <laughs> to, yeah. to get her back in. You know, she wants, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wants someone who's had their ass on the line. And Margo's like. Yeah, that's basically exactly what he said. But as much personal animosity as these two women have towards each other, I thought it was nice that Margot uh, essentially says, get this woman whatever she needs Yeah, uh, to, to help out uh, Ed. Yeah, I mean, she wants to get this job done. It's this is these are these are the, these are th- this is just a scene of uh, a, the, these last three scenes have been the start of an unbroken just stretch of awesome for all mankind watching. I this was mm-hmm. I consider this all fan service. Uh, yeah. Molly getting one last go at Margo, uh, you know, Ed and Kelly, uh, M- Molly's message to Ed. It's just such, it's just such great character moments. Ed speaking Korean, which we're about to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. Uh, let's get there. Uh, Daniel, Danielle and Grigori return to happy Valley with their North Korean crew member. Ed is able to speak Korean to him and he requests to go back to his post, uh, which is just his ship, his his outpost. Um, instead, well, Ed welcomes him into his new home. I love love because Ed's. Ed, you can almost see like Ed's about. He's warming up to enjoy this moment, right? He's he, going to the, unleash the slot, a skill yeah. that these people had no idea he had. <laughs> yeah, and, I've and got Daniel's something up my sleeve. Yeah, mm-hmm. what yeah. in the hell? It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a smug look he's got right before he's yes. like I'm gonna do a magic trick no one knows I can juggle no one knows I can yep. do close magic and and they've been, this is something a consistent like he has talked about being on the goddamn Korea, uh, uh, carriers in Korea uh-huh. with Gordo with Tracy with that even this season he talked about like you know when I was in the war in Korea I could tell you know they talked about mash being in his mash unit and all that kind of stuff and it, and the also thing that's great is like he's not great at it 
He, right, he knows right. enough to say like, "What's your name? Calls What's your deal?" Dumpling. I don't. He's trying I don't to know say if that's intentional I, or not, but I think he's trying to say my friend. But he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. "Well, my dumpling." You know, <laughs> he's not. But like, it, it, like he he runs out of her. But like, it's such a great Ed moment, and Joel McKinnon plays yes. it with just the right amount of that wily Ed energy. And yeah, it is huge, huge, huge smile on my face. And the show itself is playing a bit of a magic trick, too, with a sleight of hand, because I had forgotten that he might speak Korean. Like when when I was talking about, like, how are they going to communicate all this last episode? I did not even think that if they right. can get him back to the to the hab, that Ed will be able to talk to him. But it makes even though sense. the show has pretty consistently told us that Ed spent yeah. several years in Korea, you know? Yeah, I guess the, I, the drama got in the way. The drama clouded my memory. Um yeah, but it was great. Absolutely awesome. Yeah. Uh, and we find out this guy's name is Lee Jung-gil, which I'm just going to call him Lee uh, for the rest of this. Anyway, Jimmy uh, sweats over whether to carry out the mission at NASA, and he runs into Karen and then excuses himself. And then Karen goes in and takes her place in mission control. And then outside we see, uh, or Jimmy sees guns in the back of his friend's van and he panics and calls Amber to let her know something is going down and then his friends knock him out. I thought on second watch this scene with Karen um, you know after she scares Jimmy off from his mission and she calls Aleda over and or Aleda calls her over and they talk about their experiences being in the visitor booth and you know or she said you know 20 years ago I was in that room waiting to hear if my husband would be okay 20 years later, I'm down here waiting to hear if my husband and daughter will be okay. And on second watch, this really hit me the inverse because she thinks she's safe down here mm-hmm. and she's not going to be. And then when you get to the end where Ed's processing that, like I was risking my life and my ex-wife is the one that died. Like yeah. it, it's, I just thought yeah, that stuff was, yeah, especially since we've spent years like, you know, like like that's one of the things I think that they've done well with uh, Karen is showing like what it's like to be the significant other. And with Wayne, too, like, you know, what what a hell and and even, uh, you know, Jimmy and, and Danielle's son, like what a hell it is to have your parents be away in this harsh environment where they could just die at any time. Like mm-hmm. at no time are they safe. Like they're fucking happy. You get a leak in the middle of the night and they all suffocate. Like I, I they did that and then they invert it in this last season. I just thought it was such a great way to amp the emotional stakes and and redouble the gut punches. Yeah. Um, and letting her meet Jimmy in the hall here and seeing him acting kind of weird gives her even more concern later when she gets this call from Amber. Yeah, um, like the p- puzzle pieces are just, f- yeah. and they're just, they just fell slightly too slow. Cause I, at, at first I thought this is going to be, they, they're, they're going to be able to get, get to the bottom of this and, and, and stop it. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah. how do you convince a security guard in three seconds to pull out his gun and shoot somebody? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like you just, yeah. you can't. You can't. Yeah. I will talk yeah. about a way I, that it should have stopped it and a way that I would have stopped it. But oh, uh, we'll see. I can't wait to hear we'll the hero Jim Jones spring mm-hmm. to action. Yeah, put me on the newspapers. I'm not, not my death, my heroic <laughs> ventures. It's heroic life saving measures. Mm-hmm. Sergey calls Margot to tell her the good news that he and his family are out of Russia and headed to America. They're currently in Germany. And I love this scene because there, this is where the invert inversion really happens, right? Where it really sinks in. You're like, 
oh, she can't tell him that she's about to be arrested. Emotionally, she can't tell him, right? I mean, legally, whatever. She she could tell him, but she chooses she, not well, to. Can she? Can you imagine her saying, okay, Sergey, I'm so glad that you got it out of here. Well, I'm going to go to Moscow now, and I'll see you never. Like, I, I just think, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good Margo. I don't think. But, but thank also, you. Thank no, you. No, she could, she could use coded language, right? Like, th- there would be a way. Album. Yeah, she could send him a jazz record. <laughs> right. He could play yeah, she sh- the Dusseldorf airport or whatever. You know, he is. I kind of wish that was the last. Instead of him picking up the paper, I wish Sergey had gotten a DHL delivery yeah. that was some kind of album cover and him looking at like it, yeah like a doc and marty do not deliver until mm-hmm. eight years later 2003 mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah yeah it'd be tough to but do because was- she doesn't know where he's gonna live so it's a bittersweet scene because he's talking about how giddy he is. He's escaped from the Soviet Union. He's got his whole family out. They all have this daring midnight helicopter ride to the, you know, NATO headquarters in Germany. And and uh, he's clearly pleased and he can't wait to start his life in America. Can't wait to see Margot. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, from her perspective, perspective, she's she's being weird. I'm surprised he didn't pick up on it with the FaceTime. But right. I guess that would have that would have spoiled the scene. If yeah. he's like, what's wrong? You know, it would have it would have brought it down. And his excitement is probably just overriding any logical uh, observation. Yeah. And also on second watch, when she's talking about like, it's going to be an adjustment living in a new place. She's, she's putting a brave face on for herself as much as she is delighted at Sergey. Yeah, I think so. You think she's already made the decision to take Katish up on the offer to help? I think so. Okay. Cause like, there's like, especially on second watch, I think she's, even though I think she's been a real shitter this season, um, this character is great, and uh-huh. the actor portraying her—I uh, can't remember her name—is doing a extremely good job yeah. of, I think, realistic portraying the push pull of this this poor woman. You know, because like I said, I don't, it's not that I don't have sympathy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right, Molly sends Ed a message walking him through. Uh, the landing on Mars that he's going to have to make when to fire his thrusters and how to know when it's time. And then she explains how hard this is going to be to Karen. And then Amber calls Karen to tell her about the strange voicemail from Jimmy. Again, I love the video thing that Molly sent to Ed. Like, I don't really know what it means. Like, it seems like it's all a bunch of test pilot shit. Um, you know, you got, you can't trust your eyes. You can't trust your instruments. When you know what you can trust, you can trust the horizon. And you second too soon. You're this a second too late. You're that. And then her saying, yeah, it's a good thing. You're at the end of your career. Ed, you don't got much to look forward to anyway. Godspeed, my friend. And then they go back to look in Ed's face and how, yeah, he like he thinks that's, that's just a perfect way to, it's exactly what, a, what he had expected from a fellow test pilot, you know? Yeah. Like, if she was super serious, he'd be like, oh, shit, I'm 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 never making out of this. But like the fact that she's still willing to joke about it, I mm-hmm. think is uh, is, is, is exactly appropriate. And, and Ed, Ed's face said it all. Yep. Love it. All right. Then we go to Danny preparing the MSAM for launch. And then he asks Ed to let him pilot the mission and explains that he caused the landslide. And Ed freaks out on him tells him there's going to be a reckoning when this is all over and no no you can't pilot the m sam you spaz jesus this guy is 
he really thought he was going to go to Ed and and just like take over this mission. I think he wants to die. That was oh, my sure. read on it. The only way he sees out with honor is to die heroically. Uh-huh. And Ed sees that's or what I least, think at least make up for it if he doesn't die. Right. Like he, he feels like he can he can get some sort of closure on this if he is able to successfully take Kelly up there and lives through it or he can just die. And that yeah, either, either way, way. OK, either way. Um, and it's also, I think, kind of trying to recapture the beginning of this season. Like his thesis is, well, I'm not a complete sh- piece of shit if I am doing mm. X, Y or Z. But like, I, I think that's one of the reasons that Ed popped at him is that he's doubling down on the same fucking behavior that it wasn't just um, I think it's a realization that like this wasn't like what Ed would understand as your normal pilot angst shit. You know, that this wasn't yeah. just being in a uh, and I wasn't even sure until Danny said it that like this wasn't just him being in a drug haze. This is also him just being furious at Ed and, you know, making poor decisions. But also there's a little bit of malignance in this. Yeah. And uh, the fact that he wants to buy his way out of that with a risky mission with Ed's daughter's life and grandson into balance, I think was well, grandchild. I, I don't think they ever said that at the sex of the child. Um, but I, yeah. yeah, I, I, it, I, I could see why Ed got so pissed. Oh yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. It's not the way I expected it to go when the scene started, but by the end of it, I was like, yeah, that, that works out. Although I will say that <sighs> Danny flying this and cratering was our best chance to get the hell out of this. Cause like the, mm-hmm. we are still going into next season with the secret between these two men that probably will still be a central part of the show. Eight years after the woman died, he's going to what he's going to call him up from prison and, and, and say, and from by the way, yeah, I, fucked your wife. I don't know. I don't know. They're still alive. The Your time jump is what really throws me on a lot of this stuff. Oh, well, I thought I thought the time jump would put us beyond this shit. But they made sure in the first fucking Fair. episode that I knew that this was all going to be the whole damn season. Maybe Ed's going to have cancer from spending so much time in space and he's going to be on his deathbed. Old old man, Ed in his seventies or whatever is going to be dying. And then freaking Danny's going to come along yeah. and confess. I'm curious to see what you think about the reckoning. Uh, Cause we'll, we got to talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Uh, Karen searches for Jimmy and she calls his phone and sees that his long hair friend has it. This Timothy douchebag, Kenny Rogers motherfucker douchebag. Is, is what yeah. I was calling him. Uh, the gambler. Let's call him the gambler. The shambler. The shambler. Uh, yeah. It's just a, a pretty quick scene here. It tips her off that something is mm-hmm. really, really wrong. Yeah. And then we go back over to Margot for her speech to Mission Control before uh, the MSAM launch. And unbeknownst to her team, it is her farewell speech. Margot then goes back to her office and plays her piano. Yeah, we talked about this. The you know this this harkens back to the first episode. You know, Gene Kranz pausing, holding the the Apollo Eleven countdown. We saw the speech. We saw Margot there as a as a young, uh, hopeful space woman, yeah. sp- uh, space flight controller, um, and talk about what an honor, or privilege it has been to serve them. And then I, what made it is again that these two women, Aleda and Margot, are the only ones that grasp the true significance in the room. 
and it made yeah. it like it's such a weirdly intimate scene, even though it takes place in this football size room with monitors everywhere and theater seating. Yeah, um, and, and Elena, the, the Elena taking command. Oh, go ahead. So, sorry. And the other element that I love about it is, you know, Margot's caught up in this bad situation and she's accidentally become a Russian agent, but she still has the love for the mission. She still has the love for what she's doing and it comes through in this scene and she's able to take the 40 years or whatever she's had at NASA and use that to inspire the next generation who hopefully will not become Russian agents. But it, that, that's the thing that gets me is like, even in the bad situation, she's doing her best to give life to the mission that she's believed in for so long. Although this is right out of the Russian playbook. You burn the mentor. You have the mentee burn the mentor so that they're even higher place and irreproachable. How would the, you, Are you saying this Aleda person is already in the pocket? Alita is at is 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 at a, a risk of being turned because that's that gives them Shit. ultimate like how how the hell could you possibly suspect her? She's the one that turned in the other one. That's how right. fucking patriotic she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love that like uh, Margot kind of walking Bill. off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he's a git. The the Russian uh, Kartish called him a git, and that was uh, enough for him. Not um, in the British way again. <laughs> this. <laughs> The scene of of her walking off the football pitch, so to speak, while Aleda is taking command of the room, the voiceover you hear her giving everybody's order. It was a real passing the torch, even more so than the the soft time jump earlier of, of, you know, her being flight director. Um, Yeah, she'll be running the Molly Cobb Space Center next next season, no doubt. Most likely. Who are they going to promote? To Mission Control, because we got to have an insight into Mission Control. We need an injection of 20 and 30 year olds into this show. Yes. Like, there's not a lot. Danny's coming back to run it. (laughs) Yeah. You got Danny and Kelly and Alexi's kid, who's probably going to figure strongly into season five and six, surely. Uh huh. You've got, uh, yeah, yeah, you got Jimmy, I'm sure is going to be a thing. El, I don't know what Ellen looks like. Um, you know, President of the United States is usually kind of like the last gig in politics. Uh, mm-hmm. But we've lost so many. You got Ed. Ed's going to be old. He'll be in his 70s next time we see him. You think there's a chance next season is the last season? Or did they already no. greenlight five? Well, I don't. I mean, there's always a chance. But I, I, I took it to uh, Ronald Moore. I said he had seven years and he wanted to catch up to the present day. Oh, right, right. So yeah, yeah. God, I guess that, if you just if you want to catch up to the present day, you could do that in two more seasons. Absolutely. But you got to establish new characters because the characters yeah. we know and love are not going to last until season seven. I was kind of surprised that they didn't. I really thought we yeah. would see like Nick Carrado as a fairly young that like, but but they dusted off a lot of these guys. Um, and every character they're bringing up from from a youngster is now on the rocks I mean there's no way Danny yeah. continues within NASA there's no way Jimmy gets into NASA right he's never been in right. astronaut material there's like a, a that whole family might, the whole so Stevens family up, might but, go away other than cameos yeah. to be honest yeah could be uh, so I just they don't, don't have see a the lot. next opportunity to bring someone into mission control that we already know so mm-hmm. we're gonna have to do a lot of like Alita's gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting next season I think Trying to think of more because like going in from season one to season two, you had like Ed and Gordo and Tracy and Molly and Danielle and Margot. 
And yeah, later we like didn't even know she was just a weird, she was just a weird little girl with mental problems in season one. Like, so you had mm-hmm. like a half, I, I guess if you have a half dozen and we still have, I think a half dozen characters, you can, you can introduce enough to care. Yeah. You know, Danielle's family, like she's got a son that's that, that might, you know, he's grown up while she's been on Mars. son is going to start aging into sure. that range pretty soon. Maybe not next yeah. season, but the season after. You're right. You're right. Can see um, him go to space camp or something, you know? Yeah. I'll, it'll be interesting to see how, cause that, that's, I think their, their big challenge is they've got, uh, they've got a Marvel problem, you know, where like Captain mm-hmm. America and, uh, Iron, Iron Man, Man wants out of their contract are, yeah. and they're there. Yeah. They've, they're got to rebuild with fucking la- the, the guardians of the galaxy and Thor uh-huh. and Spider-Man. But yeah, it's, I, I wonder how they're going to do it. Cause I, I felt like they would do a better job of restocking the shelves than they've had done this year. Mm hmm. Yeah, kind of strange. Anyway, we get a moment of calm before the MSAM launch, uh, which gives Kelly time to tell Ed, I love you. You know, she's all strapping in both to her suit and to the top of the MSAM. And then they're off, man. No wasting no time here. Kelly separates from the MSAM and flies to the Phoenix, and they grab her as Ed falls back toward the planet. I can't even imagine what this would be like. I the waterworks started as soon as she was got into Peloton suit yeah, and yeah. you know everyone said how proud he would be and everybody misses him and then uh, then you know, Kelly and Ed saying they love each other and then like Ed getting to be the supremely talented pilot and the way him and his daughter was just so professional and giving each other to call outs and calling the altitude and it just felt like this 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 it has felt like another like Apollo 13 kind of thing you know they're 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 engineering stuff or science shit uh the I thought her visually achieving separation was a beautifully mm-hmm. moving moment like her actually achieving flight and then the smile on her face when she realized that she had done it and that she was going to hit her target and then everyone's reaction like on the hab and there's in there if you watch there's just the one Korean guy who has no idea what's going on he's like what 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 have I walked into? Because he literally doesn't. Yeah, he yeah. has no, he has no idea that the first gay man on Mars has happened. That there's a pregnancy. That there's like he's just seeing all these people are being left behind and they're celebrating like maniacs. Mm-hmm. I I love it. I love it. I don't think he realizes he's going to be stuck here for a year and a half with him. Like nobody. Yeah, he did not volunteer for this exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then also like. Um, Ed's reaction of like this relief, enormous relief and happiness. And then he is instantly put into the fight of his life. Yeah. Back like that, the way he changed his face from that to like, Oh shit. Now I got to land this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. And it was so, this is also just extremely exciting. Cause again, I thought there was a very good chance one or multiple people may die. Yeah. I, I love the shot of Kelly uh, jetting toward the Phoenix as she's aiming for this open hatch, uh, mm-hmm. this open air airlock. Uh, that that's incredible. You know that this the scene, like the shot right at separation where Kelly yeah. kind of jumps a little bit off of mm-hmm. the ship. It reminded me a lot of um, that key art from the Expanse where Julie is yeah. like kind of curled up, like uh-huh. almost like rolling away from a, a wall. Uh-huh. And I know like they're different scenarios, but I got that visual motif from there. Yeah. It's, She's it's very neat. There was something rising angel 
uh, yeah. to the imagery of, of her reaching out and making contact with the Phoenix that I found moving in a way that I can't quite put my finger on. And I think she was like getting close to blacking out on the ride up. Um, there's Might a been. shot where her vision sort of like comes back into focus at yeah, some point. Uh-huh, um, the, uh-huh. the edges clear up a little bit. Which I thought was, yeah, they're pulling probably some pretty serious G's on that, that yeah, initial liftoff for sure. Uh, no, it was great. I love this scene. And then we were back over to Karen who finds Jimmy in the back of a van, which is also full of explosives she tries to alert security, but it's too late. It's detonated. Here's how I would save yeah. the JSC. I grabbed right. that fucking phone right off the bomb. I, that's the first thing I thought when I saw that phone. I'm like, grab that, Karen. That is the trigger. Grab it. And maybe that sets it off, but probably not. I mean, <laughs> no, this, your day. This you did no, you did no harm. You did no harm, right? Right. Either way, it's going off. I say grab the phone. I say punch douchey Kenny Rogers in the balls as he's trying to dial it. There's no way. No way sure. you can dial seven digits with that kind of testicular pain. Yeah. Uh, Fair. I think that that's how I saved the day. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, to sim all that out. Next up, Ed plummets to Mars and he fires the thrusters just before impact. Did it work? We'll have to wait and see. I got to say that the cuts between Karen screaming, get back, get back, and that fire explosion to Ed's fiery reentry to Mars, uh, the smoking crater on Mars to the smoking crater. I thought this stuff was really fucking excellent. Yeah, they're really trying to crescendo this, um, and it works. Uh, I, I think it was great. Just maybe not as great as the truly great episodes that the uh, the the duct tape moonwalk is is an all all timer, but uh, I don't know. And, and I honestly decision not to shoot the Russians uh, ship. I I love it all, and the the handshake it was all great last season. This season, I also love it all, just not quite yeah. as much. Okay. Uh, and then we come back down to Earth for the aftermath of the bombing. Karen is dead. Molly leads people, including Aleda, to safety. Uh, and then Alita tries to find Margot in her destroyed office, but her body is nowhere to be found. It's a damn shame that Karen's last thoughts on Earth were taken up of Jimmy ugly crying in his Canadian tuxedo right mm-hmm. in her face. That yeah. had to be, you know, she could tears trying to look past him, see see the blue skies, see the blue skies, but he just wouldn't let it happen. Yeah, um, I'm trying to dream here, Jimmy. Trying to dream sweet dreams. <laughs> You're <laughs> mucking it all up. As long as we're yeah. making jokes, I assumed that the way Molly died was not from smoke inhalation, but she just walked off the edge of one of these newly formed sky cells. <laughs> yeah. She She's like, you she know what? But- I'm going to check on the queen of darkness. We've had a lot uh-huh. of bad. We got a, ri- a lot of bad runs, uh, but you know, she don't deserve to die like this. And she right. goes in, walk six feet and... Yeah, maybe she's yeah, sitting her, at her piano. Let me check. Whoops, <laughs> that first step's yeah. a doozy, Molly. <laughs> her her memorized location of the altered, the now altered JSC floor plan is yeah. uh, her undoing. But we, we talked about this before. <laughs> but this is just like it's very visually. It's it's obviously supposed oh, to remind you yeah. know if you don't know the uh, the bot the uh, um, I can't remember which day, but it happened in April in '95. So like it's it's very close to being, and I and I really love how this show is about 
social pressures and societal pressures and how those things build up and they might go to different relief valves, but they have to be relieved. They're, they're going to come out like these these forces in society mm-hmm. are going to work their way towards the surface and they're going to come out this way or that, but they are going to come out. Yeah, I'm hearing that the Oklahoma City bombing happened April 19th. We were so close to a meme on that. Holy shit. Can you imagine? What would 420 yeah. be if it was for forever uh, synonymous with the Oklahoma City bombing? I mean, uh, probably say blow it up instead of blaze it. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus. Is too soon? Too soon? Well, thanks Thanks for going a day early, Tim. I appreciate you not yeah. destroying this stoner's reason to live here. Um, I, yeah, I... I I thought it was it, that's that's one of the best things about the show that like the more things change the more things stay the same that like yes m- on the micro things change but macro there are certain things that just certain fevers the country has to break certain which really makes me has to go through interested to see how they handle the modern day stuff that's gonna yeah. be interesting I'm increasingly wondering if they're just gonna flip it where it's gonna be crazy liberal progressive democrats like you know 1970 sure. style weather you know weathermen blowing the shit up and how you win back a bunch of fans who quit the show when they found out will was gay yeah yeah i don't know I don't apparently know. there's a lot of review bombing going on in these episodes it's oh yeah whatever <laughs> we don't need to get yeah, it all pretty that. much but pretty much we'll see how it goes um so I, you mentioned it earlier, but I really want to stress again how good this misdirection is uh, with the Margot thing. It's a magic trick, a, a la, you know, Korean speaking Ed. I assumed that Aleda will just. Well, I, I mean, Aleda will never know probably what happened to her mentor. And I think that's sad, but also it's this nice misdirection for the audience where we think she got blown up. And then at the very end, we're going to discover, oh, actually, she's living in Russia uh, it worked out really well. And I thought the way that the episode gave everyone's reaction time to breathe, like there's several consecutive shots of people processing that their world has uh, it has changed forever and there's no going back. Mm-hmm. Like Aleda, like getting to Margot's office was one of those things. Um, Ed g- coming back to, to Happy Valley and getting the news about Karen, this like the the rug pull where uh, of of yeah. uh, you know just yeah just yeah point of no return and just just having them with like the Jeff Russo Max Rector Richter thing that he was doing um, yeah so let, let's I thought go it was great. through that stuff um, th- there is a montage here which kind of sets up uh, or, or a, it's not really setting up the stage afterwards but it's dealing with the aftermath of this the immediate aftermath where Gregory. Gregory picks up Ed from the crash site. Danielle tells him that Karen died in the bombing at JSC. And then we see a memorial set up outside of JSC, which Aleda visits. Uh, we see Kelly's baby is born and fine. Danny's exiled to the North Korean outpost on Mars. Danielle thinks about her family. Lee gets a message from his wife and Ellen visits Pam to figure out what they do now. All that stuff is just a big montage. And we can talk about anything individually that you want to. But Okay. Did Ed manage to make the Helios blue suits look kind of badass and and him <laughs> walking away like walking away from this bad, bad landing? Yeah, sure. Sure. He pulled it off as much as you can pull that suit off. Sure. 
I, yeah, I wish he'd pull it off and then wear one of the spare NASA ones and never look back. But uh, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really great shot. Is like kind of Lawrence of Arabia moment where the uh, the the cosmonaut commander is like squinting over the the and you know you can see the smoke from the thing. But that, do I see a blue figure? And of course they do. It's Ed fucking Baldwin looking worse. But he's walking. He's walking mm-hmm. away from this wreck. And that's when you knew he's going to be pretty fine. And the Russian commander, like, breaking out in this broad smile. I thought that was uh, great. Um, But then, then again, Daniel, the the inversion. uh, And he can't believe it. He's the one that was in all the dangers. Him and Kelly and and Karen is the one that managed to kill at home. Mm -hmm. And him trying to make sense of that. I I love that. Um, Kelly cradling her new baby. You know, like, she's thinking about her mom. Yeah. She's thinking about everyone. It's what sacrificed to get her there. Um, yeah. Alita with her family at the memorial thinking about, you know, all the friends that she undoubtedly lost people. We don't know, but she does. Um, what, what do we think of uh, Danny's banishment? Is this the, is this the reckoning that Ed talked about? I it think doesn't so. feel like the reckoning to me, but I guess it, it has to be. It's the only reckoning that can really come on Mars. Yeah, I was going to say, being put in isolation, like they're going to get, what's he said, they're going to send supply after. So he'll, he'll essentially is being yeah. put in, put in uh, solitary confinement. And once a month, uh-huh. they'll give him food and water. That and seems they reinforce that by having him go through the exact same daily routine that the North Korean guy did when he was stranded. Right. Out of right. communication. Right. Uh, totally alone and isolated. Yeah. Um, and it was weird because like, Danny's being the mom, you know, Danielle's being the mom here and Ed's just kind of hanging back, looking glum. And like, I liked uh, his face. There was like all these feelings going through like, man, are we doing the right thing? But also this guy, this kid's fucking the worst. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt like he's cycling through, like, are we doing the right thing versus we have to protect everybody versus I, I thought that was, was pretty good. I also, I just don't know. Like, I feel like there's gotta be a better way to jail someone than putting them 50 miles, right? 50 miles away? Yeah, I want to say it was like 90 kilometers, so that would track roughly. But I guess, what do you do with a guy who's endangered and already yeah, killed? Uh, I mean, he's they're keeping him out of uh, a job where he could harm someone else, you know? They're, they're it looks like he accepts go. it. He also is uh-huh. ex- consenting to this treatment, saying that, you know, I kind of deserve this. I don't, yeah, I don't know. This can't <sighs> be good for him long term, though. Like, you look at how this affected the North Korean guy who wasn't a basket case already. And mm-hmm. I fully expect Danny to, like, find this gun and just blow his head off at sometime in the interim between now and 2003. And we'll just, he'll, he'll be a footnote in history, but who knows? Yeah. I thought this, what did you think of the montage with the lady talking about the Mayflower and 1620 and people crossing an ocean to escape their past, to follow their dreams, uh, backlit against all the, you know, Danny looking at his wife and child in the exact same way as his North Korean guy did to his wife or I guess sweetheart, mm-hmm. Danielle seeing her boy who's gotten so big. Like, that's the thing that like took my yeah. breath away. It's like, she's missed his entire high school. Like she yeah, left sure. him and like same age as my son, you know, and she's, she's 14 got another or 15. year and a half of it. 
right? She's and she's been gone for two years, going to be gone another year and a half. Uh, like the sacrifices these people made, the or I guess another the, full two years or so. And it's that's the thing. Years. It's like they change yeah. so much too. I mean, I guess that's the way uh-huh. that all kids do until they get to. But like you know, you're just going to miss so much of their life. The the Korean guy catching up with his wife, um. And the fact that, like, you know, what all, what eventually, you know, I think they're they're trying to make a, a melting pot argument that, you know, whatever you think about the pilgrims coming to America mm-hmm. and all the shit that's happened since, what has turned this place has turned into is this giant melting pot of people trying to forge something new, and yeah. they're making that analogy with the Mars, like all the different nations, nationalities, mm-hmm. sexual orientations, political leanings. They're all represented in this incredibly tiny group of people. That is yeah, the start this, of something that's new right. and, and permanent. And it will start in the way that, you know, modern America started with a, a bunch of random people coming over and immigrating to this new place and turning it into whatever they brought with them uh, and whatever they can find in this new place. So, yeah, for good and ill. Yeah. No, I think it's there's it's a nice poetry to end this season on. Um but it's not quite the end. We have one more scene here where Sergei is living in America and Margot is living in Russia in 2003. And we get Radiohead's Everything in Its Right Place playing over the top. Which brings us into a new era of music and a new era altogether. Yeah, Margot wakes up in her Russian apartment and she opens up the blinds and it's Moscow and it's very cold and it's very gray. Yeah, like that's what that window scene was looking. You know, good and then you lord, see that looked Sergei living like a what you think of a, a quintessential American life, right? Going out in your American dream. robe, yeah, to pick up yep. the newspaper, your waving hi to your It's the Truman Show, the beginning of the Truman yep. Show every day. Yep, it's that stereotype of American life, uh, right? That, that is so far out of date in 2003 it's laughable right like this is a 1950s right. kind of image of america that you uh, stereotype but mm-hmm. here he is living the american dream and I, I don't know if he's feeling that i assume he's feeling that i wonder if he knows yet like because like the my my at this point like when sergey picks up the paper this is still the next day i don't think we go to 2003 until margo's feet hit the floor so, like, I think huh, at this point, okay. he might just be, like, shocked. Like, he's reading this, eulogy, this, this front page news about the Johnson Space Center. There's yeah, you know, pause, right. a lovely eulogy to Mar- uh, this. Is how I found out Molly died. There's a uh, lovely eulogy where it goes into all of her heroics, saving, you know, Wallaby or whatever his name is. And her distinguishing herself in the, the NASA's first uh, women in space movement. And... You know, talks about how she kept on going in and going in and they found her buried under rubble. Um, but yeah. Oh, we also kind of yada yada over Ellen and Pam. Oh, right. Right. Do Are these people relevant politically? Uh, to I mean, the she's show? still the president currently, but she won't be in eight years. So. I don't right. know. This could be the ending for Ellen's story as well. Like she just walks into Pam's house, you know, for a new start. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, See, Larry would be interesting. Totally absent from this episode. I thought that was interesting. You never even hear a word from him. You never even see him. Yeah. Well, he was always kind of like, 
you know the side dish right into the the ellen main main course yeah i mean if look if you're running from the wolf and run into the bear i mean he's not even the wolf right like his problem was you were chasing a rabbit and you ran into the wolf i wonder if they're trying to set up something like do you remember when john glenn went back to space like he was this old ass astronaut uh, he was been a senator for many, many years and back in, I think, the early 2000s for some kind of publicity stunt when he was just shy of 80. They sent him mm-hmm. back into space for one more mission. Uh-huh. I I could see Ellen doing something like that in a season or two. I thought that's what they were doing with old man Ed. <laughs> Ed's not quite 80. No, but no, uh, yeah. Do you yeah, think we'll ever see Ed see in space it. again? I doubt it. I yeah, really me doubt too. It. Me too. Gosh, what else we talk about? I think that's it. Uh, it's been a long episode. We're we're gonna have one one more wrap up podcast, and it'll be a prize long and short as as however people want to talk about it. Uh, we might have a couple of things to say. The one thing I, I guess we didn't talk about is how do you feel about the North Korean? We talked about how that is was so improbable. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end, like. It, do, do you think that between just kind of processing it a week and seeing this episode that you feel a little bit better? Cause like people were pretty salty about it on the subreddit. I noticed, especially uh, do you think, yeah, I mean, I, I think they pulled it off. I think like the, the scale of that was appropriate, right? Like we can stick two people into this capsule. We can boost them towards Mars and we can effectively just let them crash land with parachutes that barely open. Uh, and it's a it's a hail mary, you know. It is that's the thing. It is crazy, of course. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's a one in a thousand shot. Like it's it's the opposite of NASA, where they're you know they're they 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 certainly take calculated risks, but they expect everyone you know they have a plan for getting back. Yeah, I, I think so too. That the NASA has just don't exist on this North Korean ship, and that's that's fine. Yeah, I mellowed on it for sure. We want to hear from you people. Uh, FAM at baldmove.com. What did you think of this season? What do you think the prospects are for season four? Uh, you got any predictions for how things are going to happen? Do you have any uh, complaints or, or, or kudos for how things went down this season? FAM, of course, stands for For All Mankind. FAM at baldmove.com is how you want to get that and into us. And we will be back next week to talk about it, to put uh, to, to put For All Mankind in a successful holding orbit until we can transfer to a burn in the next season. If I continue my tortured space metaphor, mm-hmm. uh, it's been a real, real journey. Uh, the do, doing for all mankind for season three. I appreciate having everybody along with us. Uh, if this is your, 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 your first ride with us, know that we've got a whole bunch of other stuff going on too. We're just putting Westworld to bed, but the super bowl of our year is about to start. Oh boy, Amazon and HBO are going head to head with with fantasy shit. It's going to be Rings of Power versus House of the Dragon. Uh, two fantasy series enter. Will one leave? Will they both leave? Will they both be carried out in stretchers? Will they both emerge victorious as friends? Who knows? We're going to be there in bald move. We also have a bunch of prestige movies we're going to be talking about. Uh, a bunch of first run movies. Uh, lots of stuff coming up at baldmove.com. And uh, if you like like the prestige stuff, maybe you can check out Bald Move Prestige. If you like the pulpier uh, superhero and dragon stuff, check out Bald Move Pulp. We'd love to have you for more shows. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week for the season wrap up and maybe on a show 
soon. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.